Anin, thank you for joining us here today. I'd like to take this time to acknowledge all of my uh, indigenous brothers and sisters here on Turtle Island. I hear you and I see you. I'd also like to acknowledge all of our other brothers and sisters who might have come to this land through different means. Uh, we all share this land now and uh, I'd like to just give thanks to the land that provides so, so much to us, to the trees that do so much work for us can ask so little in return. I'd like to acknowledge in Ojibwe that uh, we believe water is alive and water has a life and water is life and that is our responsibility to do better to take care of the water. I'd like to also acknowledge uh, our brothers and sisters that have wings and gills that have claws and be on their fours. And we share this line with them and you know it's our responsibility to honor them as well. So miigwech for joining us today. Hi Cheyenne. Hey Dylan. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? Oh, I'm good. Thanks for asking. Do you want to introduce yourself? Of course. <laughs> Hello, my name is Cheyenne Scott. I'm Straight Salish of the Saanich Nation and Norwegian settler descent. I am coming to you from Toronto, Dish with One Spoon territory, and I'm so excited to be here. Woo! Uh, and for people listening, again, this is, you'll probably be tired of hearing this every week, but again, Cheyenne is one of my close friends. I asked my friends, everyone, we're, we're just, we're going to accept that and move on. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> so Cheyenne, do you want to share, um, like, uh, how we first met? Oh. I don't know what year that was. 2014? Uh, Maybe. 23rd? No, not 13. It must have been 14. I'm going to say 2014 we met. Yeah, um, I feel like I actually saw you in a summer work show before I had met you. You did, yes, you did. Yes, you did. I yeah. was like, wow, this person can sing. What are you doing just in a summer work show? I should see you everywhere. That was my, that was my first, uh, that was my biggest thing at that time. That was my first big thing. Wow. Was, was that? So it wasn't. <laughs> when, when did we meet? Because we met, we met at Native Earth at 20 something, and it was for the Wasaga Chuck Festival, and it was my very first Wasaga Chuck. Was it yours too? Yeah, it was my first Wasaga Chuck Festival too. And we were each other's firsts. <laughs> <laughs> and I had written sort of the first draft of a play. I was part of the Anemiki program there, and so I wrote this show. Uh, called Spawn and Dylan you were my character Mikey for that workshop. Um, do you want to um, kind of just give like a brief for people who don't know what the Anemiki program is? The Anemiki program is like a writer's lab so it brings in uh, emerging writers, uh, people who maybe haven't written a play before and there's also people who are more experienced writers and everyone was in the room and we would share our, our ideas and we'd also study uh, indigenous and non-indigenous theater uh, and plays and sort of dissect and sort of just share resources and share work and give feedback and then at the end you get to do a 20-minute uh, performance where they hire actors for you and a director slash dramaturge to present the work after you do a two-day workshop yeah and that's where we met and god i met so many that that was my first time at native earth and that whole experience like changed 
my life. People don't know too. Cheyenne is the one who essentially hooked me up for the gig of Children of God. In case <laughs> people didn't know that because Cheyenne sent me a message. I was in Scotland and you sent me like a thing and I'm like, well, I'm in Scotland. I can't, I can't, I'm in Scotland right now. And then you're like, oh, okay. And then the person who had the role before, hi Herbie, he 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 couldn't do it anymore. He had he had another contract or something, so they're looking for a replacement. And Cheyenne, if you don't know, was Julia the sister. And then you told Corey, you're like, hey, I know someone. And then and then you hooked you hooked me up. Yeah, well, I feel like it was meant to be. Like you were definitely born to play that part. We're brothers, sisters. Oh yeah, people don't know we played brothers and sisters. We also did a Yvette Nolan play. Remember, Phelan brought us. Oh my God, I forgot about that. I, I forgot about. I sometimes <laughs> forget about this because it was such a short. And oh my God, people! So they sent us. This is this was my fault for not asking. But they sent us the script and they sent us the thing and then and, and like it was like a very small commitment and like um they were paying us and I was like oh this is banging and I knew who Cheyenne was. I'm like oh even more banging and then remember they they were like you have two days of rehearsal and the script wasn't long. I'm like. Pfft, easy peasy because I thought it would be like at native earth where we we're doing like a like a reading presentation the rehearsal was just going to be us exploring that they were like no no staged. they're like all, all full staged we're gonna have some props and you guys are um uh, gonna have to be off book and they did send us the script plenty of time for me to get off book but me ignorant silly me didn't think to ask going hey do I need to memorize all this yeah needed to memorize it we learned that whole thing in two days that was crazy well, it's so unusual, too, that you would only have two days to put together a whole production, you know? So <laughs> I feel like that's fair. Yeah, that was, oh my God, that was a good trip. Yeah, it was like a whole road trip and everything. Yeah, it was cute. That was so cute. And then, yeah, you hooked me up. Oh my God, oh God Native Earth, Native Earth, Native Earth. So you, so you, people don't know, I didn't, I didn't, I need to humble brag about Cheyenne, my friend. So Cheyenne is an actor, singer, storyteller, producer, writer, um, probably a bunch of other things. Cheyenne is, is swimming in many waters, dipping her toes all over. And I think succeeding because if people don't know, the first workshop Cheyenne did of Spine, you got it into Summerworks years later. Yeah, I really wanted to try and start a project and see it through to the end and it was a big learning experience i first took it to revolver festival earlier that year in vancouver with a whole other cast <laughs> yeah. oh yeah i totally remember oh yeah 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 during children of god rehearsals so i go to children of god rehearsals from like 10 to 6 and then i would drive over to the spawn rehearsals until like 10 at night basically you are crazy I know. I played yeah. a lot of... Um, People need to know, I was not in Children of God during this time. Cheyenne was... I was not in the thing. So if people are confused. Right, right, right. Yeah. So then, that after that run, I guess, of the show, which we had no money for, I basically asked, like, uh, a bunch of my friends and family friends to try and donate to GoFundMe campaign. And I didn't pay myself anything. I was only able to pay my actors like a very small amount and they were so generous in, you know, spending so much time working uh, on that project. And so when it came time for summer works, I was like, okay, I need to like get more money. I need to do a better job of like taking care of my people. Uh, so I got it boosted up a little bit, but even now that I know more about grant writing, I'm like, 
you got to just go for it. You got to pay people appropriately because it's just not fair. You can't ask so much of people's time and not pay them fairly. So that's something that I'm working towards now as I apply for more grants. You know, for me, I always feel like I took your 100% right, but like it, young indigenous writer, I'll probably be that person like I'm 50 and they say, hey, I only have 200 bucks, but will you come and be a part of my thing? Or even if like, can you just come read this? I'll probably always say yes to young indigenous artists in that way. But if it's coming from like, you know, established company, I'm like, no, how much are you paying me? <laughs> so now we're gonna, now, now we're gonna talk money. What do you want? You will have all my time and energy for free. I will definitely do that. You know, I feel like there's such a willingness in our in our community to like really almost help and support each other in that way. Because yeah. I just remember feeling when you asked me, because I didn't have to audition for Cheyenne, guys. It was like one of those things where I'm like, oh, I don't have to audition. I just kind of booked well, we're it. already part of the workshop back during the Sagachuk Festival. So <laughs> I know <laughs> I thought already Mikey. It was like one of my dream things to like be in a workshop, it go to production, and then the writer asks you, hey, do you want to do that thing you did in the workshop? And I remember going like, I just got back from Scotland too. I haven't, I didn't work for a year after Scotland. So yours was like my first, you spawn, asking me to be in Spawn was like my first step back into theater on Turtle Island. Yeah, part of me feels like complicated about this idea of like having to pay our dues in a way where it's like, we have to kind of just like take what we can get, uh, particularly maybe that's why we're so generous in the Native community is like, you know, there's only so much material out there that's like for us and also does its best to protect us. And so I feel like it's unfortunate that we sometimes have to like do these shows that don't pay as much just because that's all there is sometimes, you know? Yeah. That, ma that makes so much sense. But like, I'm obviously so glad. And of course I was going to say yes when you're asking me, but like that's when me and Sam Brown got to become really close too. That's true. Sam was also a part of that. And I remember like when you said, and Kathy Elliott was uh, in it too. And you had Herbie in it. I was like, this cast is stacked. I can't <laughs> believe. I was, I was so excited. When you sent that down, I was like, oh, Cheyenne's doing it, guys. Cheyenne's boss lady. And I worked with Sam at Wasega Chuck that year in a workshop, but we didn't get a chance to like really hang out and be close. And then obviously we're not close then. But I, I just remember like, to me, that was such like a, like a nice, comforting, warm way for me to get back into theater after graduating for the second time, because it was like people I trusted, people I knew, people my age doing like, I thought like such cool things. I remember me and Sam going there, we're like, Cheyenne's the boss, Cheyenne's the best, Cheyenne's our boss, guys. <laughs> <laughs> that makes me feel really good because I definitely like reflect on that time now that I know so much more about the industry and know so much more about producing. And um, I definitely think there are things that I dropped the ball on. And so I'm always like, I just always want to do better, right? And so I always think back on that time and sort of only see the fault, the faults in it. Mm. And so it's nice to hear good things from that as well. Well, I I did not experience any fault on your end whatsoever during that time at all. So I I probably don't know exactly what what balls you might have dropped. Um, probably went over my <laughs> over my head I just remember you know it was just so exciting to get to like do a modern day indigenous story and like as, uh, as as like 
people out there listening, there's like a native theater ch uh, checklist like that every native actor has done. Have you played like a trickster character? Um, I don't know, have you had to point with your lips and say over there or something like that? Or you know what I mean? <laughs> like there's like a list probably that we should, we should probably make one of like, yeah. have you done these 10 things? Okay, here's your like, um, this might, this is a joke and nobody else can say this joke. Here, you've done these 10 things. Here's your like indigenous theater uh, status card. <laughs> What if it's like a bingo card? Yeah. That is genius. <laughs> that is that. Oh my God, that's so funny. Your indigenous, your bingo. <laughs> that's so funny. That's way better than the status card thing. Colonized mind, Dylan. No, bingo, 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 bingo. Oh my God, bingo's the way to go. We should do that. Yeah, we're going to write that up. That's going to be so funny. <laughs> it's like, have you done like a Drew Hayden Taylor play? Okay, yeah, okay, the bingo. There you go. If you listen to all of the podcast episodes you get a bonus resource of the bingo card yeah exactly <laughs> you get like the second the, the like the upper the upper row thing oh my god it's so fun we jumped way ahead i forgot to say cheyenne what first got you into theater like what got little little you know baby cheyenne her first like experience of storytelling that made you you know hear that call to go towards it what was your first experience um, I used to go to like regular kindergarten and then I would go to native kindergarten afterwards because my parents were both working full time. And so I would go to the friendship center and uh, do native kindergarten. And I remember when we graduated, we had to put on like, <laughs> we had to put on like uh, hides and they had um, like a drumming, I guess, soundtrack or something. And I just remember dancing in the circle <laughs> and like going for it. And it was just like the best time of my life. And uh, I just felt so good. And I feel like that's kind of like the little beginning of where that started. Because then when I started going into elementary school, uh, they had a production of Annie. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, were you Annie? No, I was too little to be Annie, because I was only like six or seven or something like that. Oh, God, yeah, you're okay. Yeah, yeah. And I told my mom I wanted to do the audition for it, and she was really nervous for me, because I was a really shy kid. Like, I'm still a very shy, introverted person. <laughs> um, and so I did the audition, and my mom, like, hid in the... <laughs> in the back of the classroom because she was so afraid for me that like I wouldn't be able to like be confident I guess maybe with it and I just started like belting my like lungs out <laughs> That's amazing. and then the teacher came out to my mom and was like you need to put her into acting classes and my mom was like oh that's so shocking like or not shocking but surprising and um so that's what she did. She put me into acting classes uh, outside of school. They're like speech arts classes. So uh, I went to like different competitions around the province uh, doing like Shakespeare and poetry and um, shoot, I can't remember what the other thing is called, but basically you like read a section of a book, basically. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And then after that, they were like, okay, now you need to put her into singing lessons. So then I started doing that. And then 
me and my mom would always go to Western Canada Theater and watch the plays because that's something that she used to do with her mom too. And I remember seeing uh, The Ecstasy of Rita Joe. Hmm. That was the first time that I had seen Native Theater. And it was so interesting because my dad came and he's Indigenous, my mom's Norwegian descent. And so it was so unusual for him to come to the theater with us. And um, I remember we were playing <laughs> Robbie Robertson on the way to <laughs> see this play. Cause we were just like Native Pride. Yeah, yeah, this is for us, yeah. Which is so funny cause it's written by, I think he's Russian, George Rika or something like that. I found, I think Sam told me that and this will air after Sam's episode and Sam's episode is already posted. And I didn't know that. And I have a copy of the play and I'm like, oh, I should probably read that. But I've never felt like the desire to pick it up. And I'm like, maybe there is a reason why. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But for me, my only reference was like Ecstasy of Rita Joe and like Chief Dan George on the cover. Like that was the like one indigenous theater play that was in my hometown yeah and um after i saw that and it was a co-production with native earth i was like whoa i've never seen anything like this before i didn't know that theater could exist outside of the sound of music basically <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and so my drama teacher basically told me I should go to the Randolph Academy for the performing arts. I'm sort of jumping, sorry. No, oh my God, well, okay, if you wanna jump, yeah, totally jump, 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 jump. Oh my God, it's your story, you can jump all you want. Um, <laughs> but before you get to the Randolph, I would just love to hear like, what, what was your, what do you remember about the audition process and what did you sing? And what did you, what was your monologue? The audition process for? For Randolph, and did you just uh, try out for Randolph and, did you apply to other schools for like um, like business or accounting as like a as a backup? Yeah, so I actually didn't really like school, so I did everything I could to make sure I could graduate early. So I did like summer classes, so I could just like drop a hole. Oh, in my mind, I'm like, oh, Cheyenne, I did the same thing. I I it's, I I, did, I graduated on time. There's a weird story there, but I did take a year off because I didn't like school too. No, no, Cheyenne did the smarter thing where she didn't like school. She, she got it over with faster. Yeah, that <laughs> makes way more sense. <laughs> so I had like a whole semester that I where I was done and. I really put myself through like pre-training where I would like go to the gym and then like do monologue practice and then do like singing practice and then research the schools I wanted to go to and then fill out my applications and then fill out my um, funding applications basically. So I put myself through this like intensive before school and I can't remember how many schools I applied to, but I didn't get into my safety school and that scared the crap out of me. Oh my God. <laughs> and then I made my mom drive me all the way to Calgary to audition for the Randolph Academy. You went the, all the way to Calgary? Wow. That, I mean, that makes sense, Dylan. Yeah, they just weren't coming to BC for some reason. And uh, so that was the closest place that we could go to. I don't remember what I even auditioned with. 
if you got to re redo it and like pick an audition song for for a school, what would you what would you pick? I don't know. I well, right now I'm really I'm learning Jack's House by Kathy Elliott from Fireweeds, and yeah, I love it because it's such a good storytelling, and so it's it's political in a way too because it's just. Uh, nice to do something that's written by an indigenous woman as well so there's like and it's canadian it's a beautiful yeah. song yeah it's it's just such a special i yeah um we both spent a lot of time with kathy if people don't know kathy uh played cheyenne's mom in children of god before i joined and kathy and i met when i did young company at the charlottetown festival in like 2010 and then i got to like act with kathy which was so special um in Cheyenne's play Spawn when we did it at Summerworks. People want to know like that connection there. So like we were very weaved together and connected in like a lot of ways. I feel like a lot of Indigenous people in Canada have like that type of story with each other where you know what I mean? So-and-so knew so-and-so and that's how you met so-and-so and quite you know a lot of beautiful stories of how we all found each other. Absolutely. So what was your experience at Randolph like? Like, did you find, but I know, let me put it this way. I know my experience with Sheridan, I did not see myself represented whatsoever. I don't feel like that's one person's fault. That is the system's fault. And I contribute, contributed to that um, as much as anybody else because we're all colonized um, in a lot of ways. But like, what was, were there challenges there that didn't need to be there? Yeah, I feel like when my experience of being at, in college, was is kind of I put that all into a box and like buried that deep inside me somewhere so <laughs> I'm I don't have I feel like I have a lot of suppressed memories yeah my experience there but I always say that it taught me a lot um it brought me to Toronto and Toronto taught me you know how to take care of myself and how to be a grown-up and have responsibilities um and I feel like my first year was so good. I learned so much. And the second year is when I started to recognize some things that maybe that are not maybe that are problematic. I do remember that sort of the list of recommended monologues that you should learn didn't include any indigenous content. So I had to go and do a lot of my own sourcing myself. And so that took a lot more extra time instead of just like picking off of the list. Um, I remember that there was one random exercise where we had to pick also from a list of like 50, uh, 50 influential leaders uh, from across the globe and then write something about them. And on this whole list, there's not a single Indigenous person on it. So I decided to write about Chief Dan George. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, feel like, I feel like that's been like the common, a common theme um, probably throughout this podcast of like, of us having to like source and like really teach ourselves. Like mm -hmm. in terms of, and like you graduated a long time ago. So this is not, we're not, we're not 
talking crap about any one program because all programs have probably done wrong and need to do better. But um, so we're just talking through our experience and this, we can only talk to our experience and that's why we're talking about our experience at these schools. Um, in terms of faculty, did you see yourself represented in the faculty? Or like, was there a teacher there that kind of, you know, whispered, Cheyenne, I know you're indigenous and there's indigenous stuff out there for you. Or did you not get that experience at all? Not at all. Oh. <laughs> yeah, um, I think that I was the only indigenous person that was like outwardly projecting like, hey, I'm indigenous, I'm gonna do indigenous content. Um, in like the whole school yeah and there it there was no one in the faculty that was even invited as a guest to come and be a part of that experience either so yeah that's a you know it's a common common theme and it's not just for um educational programs it's for boards it's for you know casting directors it's 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 for everything because you know it's so funny how Indigenous directors, for example, are only ever directing Indigenous stuff where it's like an Indigenous director would could probably do a bomb job directing Shakespeare, directing, you know, um, what's what do people, Shaw, can, uh, can easily direct a Shaw piece and bring a new perspective because their Indigenous perspective in terms of leadership or stuff like that. What I'm trying to say is Indigenous people can direct not just solely Indigenous stuff. Yeah. You know, I... I, I it's, it's fresh. Artists are still skilled artists. <laughs> totally. You know, I, I think I had a similar experience. I think it was for a film class and I was the only indigenous person in my year. Um, uh, I don't want to tell anybody else's story. I don't think I was the only indigenous person uh, there at the time, but in terms of like colonization is really complicated and there's a lot of conversations to be had. Um, but I was the outwardly indigenous person at my school um, fresh off the reserve and um, the film class we had to stand on camera and the teacher who was Caucasian and most of my classmates I think in that class all of them were Caucasian we had to stand in front of the camera and they would just say the teacher that it was an exercise if they're guilty or innocent and oh. so for me standing in front of a camera I knew people were gonna say I'm guilty and I just remember feeling so confused and like obviously it was very demeaning for me to stand there in a group of people who are Caucasian, just automatically look at my my face, my neutral face, go, he's guilty. He's 100% guilty. And then the teacher go, okay, you'll play the criminal. I was like, oh, I'll play the criminals. Great. I'll have a job. Amazing. At least I know, like they, they said, I'll get to play something. Like that's how colonized I was in, in that, any which way we're like, Dylan, <laughs> hey, you can't do any of this, but you might, you might be able to do this one thing and I would hold on to that one thing that somebody told me that I might get like for <laughs> way too long for way too long mm. it's like you know really it's like I'm like I'm so grateful that like I had experience meeting you meeting Sam Brown meeting the other people we met at Native Earth because it's like really opened my mind to like how my relationship with musical theater has been really really toxic Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, if anybody's listening at a faculty, knock off those types of exercises. It literally doesn't make anybody a better storyteller. You're, <laughs> you're literally serving nothing. 
And I don't know who taught you that. I don't know why we're still doing that. Whoever taught you that probably isn't around anymore. So why are we, why are we doing these rules that we didn't create? Like we can literally dismantle everything and create them, recreate them for everybody. It's like, why, why don't people want to do that? Especially when you have this like new generation of like young artists who don't think that way and they're the ones who are going to be the continue to build the industry so why are you teaching them to sort of be stifled into this way of thinking because that's the way it is now doesn't mean that's the way it needs to continue to be totally it's like we're literally like people think going to theater school musical theater school like creativity 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 and that it's true to a certain degree and for certain people I, I know I limit, limited myself and my creativity because I was like super against doing anything indigenous while I was at school because I didn't want to be labeled. And then there was like a lot of like racist stuff that happened that like nobody kind of protected me or helped me with um, in terms of like faculty. Like I had friends who would say stuff to me and gave me that support, which was like um, I obviously needed. But yeah, a change is coming and it's long overdue. And if you're the type of person who's resistant to that, you should let go of the ideas that you are holding on to because they're not, they're not even, they're not, it's not even good creativity. <laughs> you're limiting people's creativity. Mm-hmm. It's like, I didn't even get to explore what I actually could do during my training because there's nothing, because of the, the system fails for me. You know what I mean? I didn't even get to explore my full creativity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... That being said, graduated, what was your first year like? Yeah, so I graduated from Randolph and I did some community theater stuff because I just wasn't able to even get any kind of auditions like for the first year. Um, Actually, probably the first four years, I really didn't work at all. And it was pretty disheartening. Um, and I, I feel like after school, I wasn't sure if I even liked theater anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I also sort of took some time to like reflect and think like, is this something I actually want to do? Or is it just because all the adults and authorities in my young life were telling me that I needed to do to go this route because really it was the teachers who were telling me that I needed to be put in acting classes and it was my acting coach that told me to go to Randolph. So I think there is something to be said. You need to respond when your community is like assigning a role to you, but also I needed to go, wait, I don't know if this is something that's true to my heart. Mm -hmm. I went and I tried some other stuff. Um, I just wasn't ready to take that kind of role yet, basically. And I feel like someone who is shy, I missed having that like superpower of being on stage where I could be somebody else. And, and so I really needed that as I was continuing to like grow into an adult. So what, what did you like, what made you like want to start writing? So I ended up doing um, the Amy Project and it's artists mentoring youth and it's a year-long program i was a little old for it it's mostly geared towards like high school youth how it works is that you write a show together 
that is workshopped in the Canadian stage studio space and or the rehearsal hall and then you do a summer works production. It was there where I felt validated in my experience and they brought in Phelan Johnson to be my mentor. So I finally had that um, indigenous figure that I could, you know, connect with and sort of share with. And I feel like she really helped me find my way in what it means to be an indigenous artist. Mm -hmm. And that's sort of where I feel like I found my voice. I just want to say too, like I was part of Cheyenne's writing in Spawn, the first workshop to us doing it in SummerWorks. And then you, you were in a show at Buddy's and I remember seeing you in it and worked with you, we've acted together, you've been my boss. Like you really have been my boss, isn't that funny? Like, oh my God, <laughs> but like, just because we're friends too, like uh, it's, it's so weird, but really you have been. But I think that's a difference about like the way we approach theater is very community. It's not, there's not a hierarchical type thing. Um, but like I, I remember so new work too. New work is like a collaborative process. So like you taught me so much as the actor who's reading my script and like having the conversations that we did because I'm was still, you know, really building what that story was. And so I really appreciate and depended on like having other voices in the room. Yeah. I got to say too, the thing at Native Earth with Sega Chuck Festival, I love doing it. It is like my favorite thing to do. Me uh, too. It's because it's like you get to see, because we don't get a lot of opportunities to really workshop and hear new stuff from Indigenous artists. And it's totally geared for that. And I am a, quite disappointed that every time I'm there, I do not see more industry um, leadership there who could potentially find a gemstone of magical shows that they could that could you know um so if you're somebody in the industry and you do not attend the festival you should start attending because there's there's amazing young artists doing such incredible stuff i've met like such cool shout out to zach coyote still waiting for you to drop your ep pal like incredible songwriter storyteller i got to be part of it was so good i just got i loved it it was awesome it was complex and deep and it was modern but traditional it was so many things and killer voice he wrote the songs like super superhero to me that that guy like uh absolutely so much respect and then obviously we got to meet each other and it's it's my favorite thing to do and i just love 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 getting to be part of watching these people write and create and then get to read it it's it's honestly like i feel like if i had to pick like one thing that i was really good at in terms of everything i would say um workshopping new work i i would i would say i'm probably that's my strongest skill because uh, maybe because i just love doing it so much yeah i think it's the funnest part too <laughs> it is. sometimes as an actor you just feel like a puppet who's like being told where to go and what to do and like with new work, you can actually, again, use your voice and can and be a collaborator almost. Oh my God, no. I'm like, no wonder why my life changed when I went to Native Earth. That's totally right. Because I was being asked my voice from my lived experience as an indigenous man. And that was the first time for me. Uh, was that Native Earth that I got to do that? Oh my God. Sorry, I never really, it seems, <laughs> sorry, seems obvious now, but you know, I can't see myself and like, you know, in that type of way. Oh my God, that really just clicked in my head because of what you said. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
this is why I have such cool friends. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh my God, what was I saying before? We, we just love the anemic stuff. So people, you need to go incredible writing. But I saw you in that play and it was my favorite thing. It was a collective. I think you told me, maybe you would explain it better, but like your writing in that was my favorite. Obviously it was my favorite storyline. All the women in that were absolutely incredible i remember being floored i didn't know what to expect i just loved it your storyline your singing your acting in it i was just so like proud friend proud friend proud friend <laughs> oh god we didn't tell you we were coming we surprised you i remember yeah. now yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> but do you want to talk about that because it, for me i i was just like cheyenne is killing it dora and i said to him like you guys are going to get nominated for dora 100 percent. they how could they not you're, you're definitely going to get it oh yeah you're going to get it and they got it. <laughs> the great news is that that play is getting published this year. So it's going to print pretty soon, which is exciting. I had come into that project late. So they had already been working for two years. And um, I came in for the final year. And um, there's another Indigenous artist who was originally a part of the production, but they weren't able to continue. And so I suddenly had to like fill a new role. <laughs> And I remember they sent me the monologue that they had written and I was like, oh, this is outside of my experience because a lot of it was about like the practice of beating. And that's just like not something that I've done on the West Coast. A lot of it was about like rabbit skin, maybe something oh. like that. It was a bit of like a interesting process of like taking this other indigenous person's work, trying to honor that work but also bring my own experience to it. Also having two white directors. <laughs> like, so it was like a whole, it was a quite an interesting process. Like I definitely learned a lot from it. I feel like at first I was trying to do everything I could to sort of please my directors. And mm -hmm. um, just from old colonial, like please authority yeah. kind of stuff. And then finally, I got Phelan Johnson again, <laughs> came back into my life <laughs> to be my dramaturge. And so we talked about it and we were like, let's just start over and think about writing this from my perspective and make it authentic to me mm -hmm. as opposed to trying to take on this Anishinaabe story as opposed to trying to please my white directors. Okay, what's authentic? I think uh, I just want to highlight something too. Like Cheyenne is not Anishinaabe, you're, you're straight Salish. And so those are two completely different cultures, two completely different languages. I think where I'm from, if this was like 600 years ago, we probably never would have even have met in, in that type of way. And like, because all the huge, huge giant land here on Turtle Island. And so I think people need to realize, and I think I said this probably in a few other episodes, the diversity amongst the indigenous community is huge. It is giant. I cannot say it enough. And far too often we get pigeonholed as just indigenous and we're all the same and we're all this. And I just want, I just want to highlight that because it, it is really important and obviously really good advice from Phelan that it's a Anishinaabe person's story and you're straight Salish. And so it's kind of like, why wouldn't you just make it who you are? Because that just makes sense. Yeah. But I had to go through that hurdle of like, okay, as much as I want to honor the work that's already been done, like I have to start from 
from my truth. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it would be perpetuating the same system. We would be like pan-indigenizing ourselves the way other people think we are too. So it's kind of like that you, that just is, was the right, right thing to do. I think that was probably honoring her work more by not, you know, you making yourself fit into that Anishinaabe lens. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And um, one of the things I kind of struggled with that show was the concept is the different ways in which women disappear. So me being the indigenous character of the show, obviously we're going to talk about missing murdered indigenous women. I felt uh, complicated about doing that again because almost every single show professional gig that I've ever been cast in. I've been sexually assaulted and or dead or both. Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, oh, so now I have control. I'm writing this, but I still am talking about, um, I'm still creating a character who ends up dead in the end. Mm-hmm. And like, that's so unfortunate that like, this is the common narrative. This is the narrative that we have accepted this is the narrative that gets funding, like, wrote that into the show. I was, like, right off the bat, first thing, like, one of the first things I say is, like, now that you know I'm Indigenous, you probably know how this is going to end. And that's fucked up. Yeah. I love, I honestly, I love, but all the women in there, I remember um, African women, her big scene where she came out and she did this powerful, incredible moment. And I remember being floored, like, just like it was honestly just incredible storytelling and then the older woman too of like you know the 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 male power dynamics and then like your storyline to me I thought really helped wrap everything together and I'm probably biased because I am indigenous so of course I'm going to relate to your storyline and I appreciated like your bluntness of telling people like straight up in that way and if people didn't see the play you really missed out um, somebody should produce it again. Um, it starts, there's movement and singing and they, this beautiful movement before they go into the piece and the piece starts ending. And I remember going, I'm like, where's Cheyenne? Where's Cheyenne's character? Where's she? She's gone. She's gone. And then you, your girlfriend, the character that played your girlfriend came out and all the other women did that thing that we're still doing to this day. They start their day like they did before, even though the person that was on stage with them just went missing like many of our women do and what do people do nothing and i really loved the 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 performance of the other woman running around and yelling at people stop stop where is she how come nobody's doing anything oh Mm -hmm. it was so beautiful shan it really was it was really interesting because it took us a long time to figure out like what is the end because i was really adamant about not letting people off the hook like that we didn't let the audience be able to go oh it's okay now yeah oh she was just she was just you know at her aunt's or something yeah yeah and i think a lot of people like a lot of the actors too also wanted to like make it right you know (laughs) like how do we make it right like um and so i had to tell them like no sorry you can't take care of her you have to you have to represent this side of it like Yeah, and I, I'm so glad that that, that uh, translated for you, too, to be able to see this. We all have our own stuff, as we clearly saw in the play. Like, all the other characters are struggling with things. Oh, yeah. Uh, so all we can do is kind of go on, but at the same time, we're ignoring our friend. This person is gone. 
but I also couldn't leave it that way. I couldn't just leave her, you know, missing, murdered. And so I, for my own sake, at the end of the play, I had to, and I had written this in, um, just in my notes. It wasn't even supposed to be a part of the show, <laughs> but I needed to just like write a ceremony that would take care of her at the end so that she could be released spiritually in a, in, in a way that she was taken care of. Yeah, it was so good. It was so powerful. And it's like, we knew nothing because like um, Julie messaged, it's like, let's go surprise Cheyenne. There's preview night, blah, 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 blah. Here's the link for tickets. I'm like, on it, booked. <laughs> and I'm like, she's probably going to know we're in there because she'll, I have a very distinct laugh and people did not figure that out already. And I think, <laughs> I think your first line, you came out and I think you said something like blunt, like, you know how this is going to end. And I might've been the only, one of the very few, if only indigenous person seeing that performance. And then there's me and I was, ha! and nobody else still reacted. And then like, I was like, oh, oh, sorry. Oh, I'm like, I know what's gonna happen. Like, does nobody else really, like, come, okay, okay. I, I think there was probably a lot of audience members who actually didn't know how it was gonna end. And what I really, like, I really love this play in case people didn't know. Um, what I really liked too is because all the other women's stories were so distinct and so strong, me as an indigenous audience member, got enthralled and entranced by their storytelling that yeah at some points I was like wait where's Cheyenne <gasps> and then when they started doing that where it's like you got you tricked me I forgot about you too because of everybody of what every of just like life going on and then like I forgot as the indigenous person I'm like oh Cheyenne yes I, I love it when like a playwright um strings you along and then like tricks you in a way and then mm -hmm. I, I, I love being like I love that it was so good Cheyenne that was totally the intention too, was to make you forget about her. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was so good. It really was. Oh, so what, what was your, um, what was like, no, I don't, don't want to ask anything. Oh, I can say one more thing though. Oh my God, please. Just cause I just thought of it was, I think part of the struggle too, was that the show was at Buddies in Bad Times and I, and a lot of people who were seeing this uh, quote unquote collective like coming to their shows were maybe more white audiences and so I felt kind of aware of that too like am I writing this to inform and like who am I writing this for like who is those are the people who are the most likely to come to this kind of show mm -hmm. um, but I decided to write it for maybe that like two percent of indigenous people that might come and see it and there's probably a lot of content in there that is over the heads, like <laughs> of some people like made a couple of references um, that I, I don't know totally registered, um, but I wrote those in there for the Native people who are coming to the show. Yeah, I, like you heard me laugh at probably all of them. <laughs> like, there's like there's a couple of times like Indigenous people do have like a very good sense of humor, a very dark, twisted, fun, clever, complicated sense of humor i would describe it probably through the many years of trauma and genocide um so uh, so like i laugh at dark twisty things like i'm really into that type of thing and I, I i laugh at like comments that are true that make other people uncomfortable and so i i, I was laughing a lot at times where it's probably perceived by other audience members like whoa that guy's rude 
where it's like, no, but this is funny. I swear. That's the other thing about, I'm bringing up Native Earth again, Nimiki program. If you ever want to feel good about your performance, perform in front of an indigenous audience. They are the most generous with their laughter. They're the most generous with their joy, with their passion, with their spirit. They're the best audience to perform in front of. Like, I feel like I could almost be a stand-up comedian in front of an indigenous audience. Because <laughs> even if I suck, they will laugh and be like, good job. <laughs> laughter's medicine <laughs> it is it's such good medicine it's and so yeah people you need you, if, you, if you're not indigenous you need to perform in front of a whole indigenous audience you you'll the laughter you'll get the comments you'll get it's it, it'll make you it'll lift you up i remember when i didn't know you were coming and then i could kind of see your outline in the audience <laughs> big head oh. <laughs> and then i totally messed up my line because i was talking about like yeah. John A. McDonald, and I said Duncan Campbell Smith. <laughs> That's funny. Because I was just like, what? Is Duncan Campbell Smith Dylan? No, no. <laughs> oh, I know. I thought that was a bit mean. I'm like, should we text her? No, but what if we scare her? Then we should have. I'm like, I know I don't like to be surprised. Mm. No, it's not, I don't mind being surprised when people come see the show, but I really, really don't like it when I can see people that I know watching me it, yeah. it, it just makes it a little bit harder to be like that's my friend I'm about to do something and I know they're gonna laugh now they're laughing oh my god what's my line yeah <laughs> like I like it when my friends sit at the back I can't see them in the lighting um mm -hmm. if I prefer them not to be like me please don't laugh because I'll know where you're sitting <laughs> I am totally the same <laughs> <laughs> there's me my big <laughs> <laughs> Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I thought that was such such a brilliant piece too, and I'm so glad it's being published um, because Shane's a published playwright, and now it's it's it could be accessible to people like us who went to school and didn't have that. And like, I, I, I know I'm talking you up, but I really mean it. There's some great material in there, monologue workshop stuff that that's for Indigenous women in there. It, it's just it's good if you're young. Uh, indigenous woman if you're older indigenous woman and you're looking for a new fresh piece um google cheyenne scott everybody <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much i will say though you know we did say some things about like um you know theater school faculty blah 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 all that kind of stuff there was quite a few universities that did come and see that show lots of theater classes that came to that show and who like had discussions and all that kind of stuff out like in their own classrooms about it. So yay, some some things are happening. <laughs> that's amazing. That is amazing. You know, that's the power of storytelling and the responsibility of a storyteller highlighted right there. Fun question. If there's any musical or play that is um, not indigenous and you wanted to indigenize it, what musical or play would you pick? I don't know. I never really thought about it. Would you, uh, I, I'll, I'll talk, I said company, also Spring Awakening, but that's like they're in school and they're getting hit by a guy who kind of looks like a priest. So I'm like, eh, that's a little too well, close to home. I just love Spring Awakening. Um, but I, I, thought, I thought like a resed out version of company. Like, could you imagine the lady singing, here's to the ladies who lunch, but she's at the bingo hall. Like, it would be so good. That would be so good. That would be so good. Like, here's the ladies. Everybody laugh. And then she's, are the three women who sing the doot doot song? And like, they're, if they had like, you know, like the doot doot, and they'd be like, bingo, bingo, bingo. Doot 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 doot. 
just saying, that's one idea. It doesn't need to be in the bingo hall. But, like, there's a lot of things that, like, it could, like, just fun, like, to indigenize that. Like, I think bingo needs to go on the bingo card. Have you ever played a character that plays bingo? That's, like, that would be, like, the golden, that would be, like, a golden, like, bingo star, that one. Yeah. <laughs> you, can, you can put one of the characters, too, as, like, the bingo announcer. I'm getting too wrapped around Bobby having to go to the bingo. Maybe I want to go to bingo myself. <laughs> maybe i just want to go to bingo but it'd be bingo like there's so much you could like resed out production type thing you know you can have some like deadly deadly um hot dog water jokes in there people won't get that but you know what i mean mm-hmm. <laughs> like that i res- just wanted to be i don't know i haven't thought about like a whole production kind of thing but i always wanted to be the phantom and phantom of the opera if i could do anything like, that would be cool hey you can indigenize that instead of like ballerina dancers they could be like jingle dress dancers or you know what i mean they could be fancy mm-hmm. that would be a cool one to indigenize it could i and, haven't thought about it in the bigger picture but. and then the phantom as a woman and christine i would still want Chris. This is just me. I'm taking over your idea. I'm so sorry. You excited me. But like Christine <laughs> still being a woman, and then maybe the whole cast is an indigenous, and like half the cast is not indigenous, and maybe the Phantom isn't the bad guy, and is like sing for me and is teaching her her cultural ways instead. That could be cool. Oh. And then her, and then the the, the, the the romantic part. Maybe she's like maybe the Phantom is like a. Uh, oh. Now I'm just getting like too cliche, like an answer. Trickster. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Tricksters are all over the place, and they're not always just simple. Not simple. They're not always just like the the obvious, like oh, Nana Bush or a crow or Glue's cap or anything like that. Like, there's a lot of different forms of trickster. That's allowed. Oh my god, that's allowed. That's so cool. Yeah, whatever. It's like a modern. That, I think that would be cool. I, if somebody's listening, um, Cheyenne wants to be the Phantom, and all that. <laughs> I'll be Christine. Not, wait, not Christine. What's the friend's name? <laughs> Meg. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know why I thought that was funny. Her name's Meg. I'll be Meg, everybody. I want to be Meg. <laughs> that would be a good one. Oh, I'm super into the idea of that. Okay, this, this is a fun game. I've been playing with everyone, too. You just got an email. It's a new theater company. They're doing the show. They said, please bring two songs tomorrow at 9 a.m., I don't know why I've been telling everybody 9 a.m. 9 a.m., bring two songs. And they wrote in big letters, please bring anything. No, seriously, we mean it. What would you bring? It's stressful. I, you know, it's so, I've been asking people this question, and I kind of see everybody get that panic. They're like, email tomorrow, 9 a.m. Oh, my God, I have no time to prepare. Like, it's just like... <laughs> <laughs> I feel my first impulse, which I'm not sure I'm proud of, would be to do like a meatloaf song. That's cool. It would be so fun. That is cool. That is super cool. Oh my God. What would this? Oh my God. Yeah. What would the second song be? Feel like I'd want to show my range. Yeah. Yeah. I always kind of like imagined. Okay. I auditioned for American Idol when I was like a teenager. (laughs) I don't know if you did that too. No, 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 I did not. (laughs) Yeah. So, okay. I did. And I've always like fantasized like what my set list would be like each week like bringing something. I've I've fantasized I've I bet everybody's had that fantasy a little bit. <laughs> um, I feel like I'd want to do "Don't Cry for Me, Argentina," or it's a Queen song. I'm forgetting the name of it. Is it a ballad or, or is it a rock? It's a ballad. It's a, no, Bohemian Rhapsody. The no, part of- it's when he 
was like um it's really sad who wants to live forever that is from outlander and that's what we named our cat after Oh, no way. He wrote, because Freddie wrote the, the soundtrack. That was like his, his solo thing. And that is a banging yeah. song. That is a yeah. banging song. Those it's are cool. all like emotional. And then I have like a whole like, how the lights would go and like the oh, smoke yeah. and like. That's good. That's good. Yeah. I will bring the smoke machine to this audition for you. And then I will hit the lights and then like put a laser pointer and go, well, you do it. That's exactly what it needs. Yeah, you, and then we'll be like, you said bring anything. She brought production value, everybody. <laughs> it's not her fault that she thought of the whole <laughs> the smoke machine. Could you imagine showing up to an audition with a smoke machine? I mean, I, I would try it once. I think, I, I think that's kind of fun. I would have to audition somewhere like I don't live. So like in Australia, I wouldn't do it here. I'd have to do it where it's like, you know, low stakes, low stakes. <laughs> I don't know, like I'm becoming an advocate now for like doing whatever makes you makes it fun, you know? So Yeah. Like, smoke machine, like I'm kinda into it. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I find weird and we don't I don't feel like I don't know if anybody else feels this way. Singing pop songs in a musical theater audition without a microphone feels like I don't know, trying to ride a tricycle for the first time, and you're just like, oh, but, 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 like I, I just, like I just want a microphone when I'm singing pop songs. I, I, it's just, I just want one. I don't, I don't want the Britney mic. I'm not one of those. Yeah, I feel that, but I also have a weird fear of mics because when I was a kid, we had a talent show, and the girl before me, she sang a song, and she was a really quiet singer, like. Ah. So they turned up the volume to max, and then I was next, and I sang When a Man Loves a Woman. <laughs> and I belted that thing into that microphone as loud as I possibly could at max volume, and literally all of the children sitting there were like, <laughs> they're covering their ears like, oh my God. like in pain. And I remember the person who was running the sound afterwards came up to me and was like, yeah, you almost like blew out our speakers. So that was crazy. Well, that's more so, uh, I think, a ball drop on their part. No? So ever since then, I'm just like really afraid. <laughs> like ruin the equipment. Yeah, that would be, well, yeah, we don't want to do that. Equipment's very, very fun. Um, <laughs> I want to talk about our Star Wars group. I don't think yeah. people do not know. So Children of God, we've done it a few times together. And um, the last time we did it, our music director was the sweetest man in the world. I love bullying him because he's, uh, that's another thing. It's not really bullying. It's like the native tease where it's like native people will tease you in a way that we try to make you in on the joke. Like David, if, I'm, if I overstep, please let me know. I mean, I want to tell this story. Do you remember that time we were at the Siegel Center and we were downstairs and there was there was that board there, and David was talking about something, and and um, um, I think Aaron Wells was like, "Oh, Kevin Loring might be in Vancouver." Blah blah blah, something about Kevin Loring. Kevin Loring. Aaron said something. Kevin Loring. I'm like, oh, cool, cool, cool. And then David Terrio comes in, and there was something on the board. He's like, "Oh, I'm looking for that um that Kevin guy, the Kevin the uh Kevin the uh David Terrio. You can just say it, Kevin the Indian." <laughs> 
He turned so red. I thought, I mean, it was so funny in the moment he turns. He's like, Dylan, no, Bubba. That's obviously not what he was going to say, but I just saw the opportunity there and I have a problem and I had to take it. I just couldn't not, couldn't not do it just because it's so easy because David is the sweetest, nicest person. He's totally not like that. So like, that was like the, the hopeful humor there. I certainly had a good laugh at his expense. David, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I got him. I got him a couple times. Also, okay. But so David was um, our music director and then um, Cheyenne, me. And then when we were in Montreal, Cheyenne came up and I'm like, Cheyenne has a PS4. I'm like, I'm really into playing Star Wars Battlefront 2 online. This is not a promotional thing, but if they want to, like, um, I don't know, give us, like, Battlefront 3 when it comes out, that'd be cool. Um, yes. um, but we, we um, so I got Cheyenne playing, Cheyenne's like, oh, I like this. I'm like, ooh, I think I got one. Um, <laughs> you can play with four people online, not on the same system. You have to have your own system, your own TV, whatever, blah, 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 blah. And then I knew David is kind of into video games, but he's a very responsible person, so he doesn't play as much as I do. Um, and... I got him into it when he came over one time in Vancouver and then now pandemic happened. Like I got a message from Cheyenne, Dylan, I got Battlefront 2. And I was like, yes, because I was going on Reddit and trying to make friends and nobody wanted to be my friend. <laughs> I was like, I'm like, I just want to play with the team. I feel like I'm ready to like have a team and maybe do this. And then when Cheyenne did it and then David messaged me like the next day going, Dylan, I got Battlefront 2. I was like, <gasps> My heart was racing. I was like, we have a team. And then I harassed Michelle Bardock, hi Michelle, um, to, to buy the game and to like buy, like, or to try out the free month pass so we had a four person team. <laughs> and so now uh, people are listening to this. Uh, it's, we're, probably, we're probably playing it uh, as you're listening to this. Uh, we play like a lot. <laughs> me, and Cheyenne, <laughs> me and Cheyenne play like a lot. <laughs> And it's so funny because we'll text each other. And then I remember at one point too, I'm like, we should, David's like, do you guys have microphones? I didn't know how to set that up. I'm like, we should just Zoom. I have a Zoom Pro account. We should all just Zoom and talk because you can tell when there's teams and they're talking to each other. Yeah, I feel like we are definitely one step away from getting microphones. That's how much I'm, we've gotten into it during this pandemic. <laughs> I am, I, I am, I am, yeah. Like one, like bare, like I, my foot's already out the door to go pick it up or order it like now. <laughs> but it was it's just so funny so we have a children of god star wars uh team and it is amazing it is so fun for people out there who's your favorite character to char character from the light side and character from the dark side to play as okay i have two for each good 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 yeah, yeah. i like to play grievous but i also really like to play palpatine yeah and then on the light side i'm like Luke, 100%. That's probably my better character. And I didn't really have a second one for the light side. <laughs> but I think it's Leia. I like I like to do something, just try something different. Yeah, and they updated Leia's character just as you joined too, because she didn't have the grenades and stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah, you, yeah, you got it right before the update dropped. Yeah, yeah. So like, like they constantly make changes to the, to the game. I would say my favorite characters right now, apparently Darth Maul's glitchy. Um, if you hold his block while you do his spin attack, he cannot block and he'll die. Which oh. I didn't know. They might have updated it. I haven't played because I've been doing this for like two weeks. I haven't played much. They might have updated it, but I saw a YouTube, I follow YouTubers who um, 
do combat stuff, people out there. If you're and sends me and the I, videos. I sent that to David Michelle. I sent David Michelle say I'm like, come on, come on, my Padawans, you need to watch this video. It will be very helpful. And it, they are very helpful. And so somebody showed that to me because I, I love being Darth Maul. But then he, I'm like, why does he keep glitching out? Am I not blocking? Because I think I'm always blocking. The problem is I'm always blocking. And that's where the glitch is. So I think I like being Kylo right now. And I'm I'm starting to like really uh, vibe with Darth Vader, even though I like being the faster characters. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and then on the light side, Luke for sure. Uh, uh, I find I, I do well with Luke, but I really like being Ray because she's um, not super fast but like there's ways to use her where she's super fast and i don't think people expect that because i find like i just will go and boom 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 and people are like oh yeah yeah it's yeah ray's probably up there too for me like probably top three yeah 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 and i love her yellow lightsaber it's just nice that they change it mm -hmm. <laughs> like i like yeah like one time guys we were playing and it was late at night and i i, well, I was drinking and playing and i just like instagram shine i'm like fan we'll get them <laughs> We can't, we can't. And then like, they, me and Cheyenne will go and like, remember that one, we do this more than one time, it's so cute because we played brother and sister. Like, we'll play as Luke and Layla as a brother and sister. And we were playing against a really good team and it's a three round Robin. People are probably so bored of this, but I don't care. Um, <laughs> but it's a three round Robin and you have to win three uh, to, to win and they kicked our butts twice. And we were Luke and Layla, Luke and Layla and then I don't know, we clicked, the force was strong with us and we rose up and we beat them hard. They must have been so mad. so mad. I was so mad when we were losing bad. I was like, what is wrong with us? Like, we're good at this game. Mm -hmm. Like, we're good. <laughs> You're all... our nerdiness. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, people, people have no idea. But they might, I mean, look at me, I'm a pretty nerdy guy. Um, this is all staying in the podcast, 100%. <laughs> uh, so just off of that, Shan, what does being a storyteller, <laughs> from Star Wars to this, what does um, being a storyteller mean to you? Yeah, this is something that I've been thinking about a lot. I think in the past, I've been so focused on me and my ego, and it was all about me, me, me. And I, for the past four years, I've been working um, with a program called InPath. And so I go and I work with indigenous youth on reserves um, and working in community has taught me that it's not about just me. <laughs> and that really brought to the, and that really taught me to think more about the why, like why am I telling this story and how does it serve our community? And so I really, am grateful to all the Indigenous youth that I've met for, you know, helping me uh, understand that. I also sort of am thinking now about storytelling where it's interesting because in theatre we often just want to pose questions. Sometimes I think, and maybe this isn't correct, but with like a traditional Indigenous storytelling, there's a knowledge exchange that happens. So there is some kind of teaching or lesson that is within it. And then it's the listener's job to sort of put themselves into that position and then uncover what that teaching or lesson is for themselves. And that might be different for one person than another. 
And so I think there's like a bit of like a transaction there that happens. It's not just the storyteller, but it's also the listener. Something that I feel like Children of God and Corey taught me is like when we did our talkbacks every night, it wasn't so that the actors could talk more. It was so that the audience could respond to what they just watched. And I think oftentimes in theater, we applaud and then we leave it in the theater and we just go on with our lives. And so I liked that structure where we actually posed the questions to the audience. Not that it always worked, but, and then the audience would respond. I just felt, you know, I think there's a lot to be said about trauma porn and performing trauma for audiences that aren't uh, necessarily Indigenous, but there will be nothing, I cannot imagine something being more impactful than doing this story, Children of God, that my grandmothers both went to residential school. I couldn't ever dream of having a survivor come and see our show and then them telling us, like, good job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is huge. That was just, that's the only validation I will probably ever need doing that show is this hearing the feelings of the survivors and how they appreciate putting this story out there. Because yeah, it's, there's, I think a lot of indigenous people, me and myself, like, yeah, we're tired of always dying and on stage and being like that, just what people are comfortable seeing from us. But at the same time, it's kind of like, I, people still don't know the truth. And then when we started the the Children of God tour and hearing from the audience, I was like, oh, this is still not as public or as well known as I understood it to be. And that's really disheartening and still really frustrating. But I also felt like, okay, yeah, like this story has a place and it's really important that's being done. Yeah, it is really, I, I feel that, I feel that too in, in so many, in so many ways. And, you know, I, and for me, for me, it was really cool getting to like, be in an Indigenous musical, Indigenous-led musical. It's not just all Indigenous cast members, uh, for people who haven't seen the show, but to like, be people my age, also went to musical theatre, like from across Turtle Island, was just like, it was like a breath of fresh air. I, I didn't even care that, you know, I was, gonna be doing like this hard track of this trauma 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 like that didn't even matter to me more so like the energy of being in that room with other indigenous people my age who did similar training and like they like can have like these types of conversations about musicals from our perspectives in a lot of ways like that in itself gave me so much on top of everything else doing the show gives you thanks so much for deciding come on cheyenne i'm so happy you did thank you for having me Oh my gosh. Well, yeah, I mean, I'll, we'll probably end this. And then in like two hours, three hours, eight o'clock is usually our Star Wars time. I'll be like, who's online? <laughs> <laughs> it, before we uh, say Bama P, is there anything else you want to share? So I guess the only thing that we haven't really talked about is like how we move, how I'm like moving forward now with my work. And I just wanted to say like some of the things that I've been thinking about and I've been really doing a lot of work to try and decolonize my own process because I learned in a colonial institution how to be an artist, a theater maker. And uh, so I've been sort of reframing and indigenizing my work. And part of that I think is I'm trying to create 
in a way that's like safe. And um, so what I'm doing now with my next play is that I am building in self-care into the actual play. So sometimes, most of the time, all of the time, <laughs> <laughs> actors are expected to do their own self-care on their own time. And um, we don't get paid for that, even though that's a part of the process. So I'm trying to, one, not create stories that just ignore the reality. But if I'm going to address something that is challenging for uh, us as Indigenous people, that there is also the safety in there of having a chance to heal or process that in the story, instead of having to just lay your heart out and then try and go home and figure it out. <laughs> that's really, that's really beautiful. Oh my gosh. Oh, I'm so excited that you're writing something else. I can't wait to see it. <laughs> In case people didn't know, like all my friends, I'm also fans of their work too. So it's like a, it's a very, very uh, dynamic relationship, hmm? friendship, admiration, respect, a lot, all those, all those things. So it's a work in process. Like there's still like a lot of questions about how it's done and all that kind of stuff. But um, I'm really excited to see where it goes. I'm so great. I'm so grateful that you know you had that idea and that you're doing that type of work. It, it's so important. And if anybody out there is listening and is interested in helping support that type of thing, her name is Cheyenne Scott. Uh, Google her. <laughs> <laughs> also, I'm just going to put this out there. Um, Cheyenne will be the artistic director of Native Earth. I'm going to say, let's take a bet because this will make it into the podcast. Oh my god! Uh, I love being right. And so let me just pull it up the calendar. How you don't, I'll just guess. I, I'm sorry if I'm making you uncomfortable by complimenting you so much. Cause I hate compliments <laughs> too, but it's like, I'm going to say knowing you and you know, the way the respect you have. And I, I, ideally I would like, like to see you there in like seven years, but I, I probably going to say mm, 11 or 13 years. I feel like, because, there's still probably so much, like we're still young and we want to explore and do this and do that and do this. But I'm saying uh, 11 years, 11 years. If you're not artistic director of Native Earth in 11 years, um, um, everybody listening and I will go and we'll write a letter or something. We'll, <laughs> <laughs> we'll just, Cheyenne is going to be such a great future leadership. I'm so excited. And uh, having worked for her before, she's a very good boss. No. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah. And I've said that behind your back. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was talking to Sam. I was like, remember when she said, I'm like, she's going to be in Sam. Like, oh yeah, definitely. Like, look at like our friends are going to rise up and take over and then decolonize everything. But I'm thinking more now, again, it's part of this, like, you know, maybe I don't always have to be the center of tension, but maybe uh, I can, you, I can utilize my like privilege being someone who's like more white passing and also my connection to my indigeneity to help support other artists so it doesn't always have to be just my voice that is the that i'm highlighting that maybe i can also just be like a supporter of someone else's story yeah i feel like shan you're gonna do all of those things successfully all at the same time and i feel like that's like a goal that i really want to do too where i i just not just me performing anymore it's not 
it's not enough. And I feel like somebody with the privileges that I've uh, achieved and the accomplishments that I, I have achieved and the privileges that those accomplishments give me, it's like my duty and responsibility to clear space for the people coming up behind us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because I, I look at our friends who are older and the respect I have for them and the work that they've done, and I know that there's a real chance that I wouldn't be here doing what we're doing if they didn't pave the way for somebody like me. Absolutely. for spending your time with me, for sharing your stories. You're such a good friend. You're an incredible storyteller, incredible artist, and your, your spirit gives me so much every time that I get to work with you and just have these types of conversations with you. So I I appreciate you.